Hello and welcome. This is Gatkosh and Glenboig Parish Church's service for Sunday the 19th of July. I'm Dave Slater. I'm delighted we can join in worship together. You can download the order of service for the hymn words and notices. Links should be in the descriptions on Facebook and Podbean. And if you're listening back later on our telephone service, perhaps a neighbour or friend can get a copy of the order for you. In the notices, you'll read that I'm going live on Facebook and also trying to do Zoom as well this afternoon at 4pm for a cuppa and chat. And again on Facebook and Zoom on Wednesday evening, 7.30, for our prayer and praise. Do contact me if you would like details of the Zoom logins. Many thanks to the moderator, the Right Reverend Martin Fair, for his digital pulpit supply service last week. Many churches will have been using this, I'm sure, this week or in future weeks. And if you enjoyed listening to him, you can also find his interview series, It's a Fair Question, on the Church of Scotland website or on YouTube. I'll put a link in the order of service. A few weeks ago, the UK and many other nations celebrated Father's Day, while other nations mark it in March, May, September or other dates. We have a great Father who cares for us, who knows us through and through as we read in the 139th Psalm. And no matter our experiences of our own fathers, I'm sure we can all recognise that ideal of a loving parent who looks after us, cares for us, gives us good gifts and wants the best for us. So let us worship God with our first song, Abba, Father. Let us pray. Dear Lord, sometimes words fail. 
We think we have to have all our theology sorted out, all our beliefs arranged like ducks in a row, before we can speak to you. Or that we have to have fancy words and language in order to pray to you. But the truth is, you delight to hear us, to hear from us. Whether it's like someone emigrating and only writing one letter a month home, or a daily or even hourly phone call keeping you up to date with our news, you love to hear from us, though perhaps you prefer the more regular than the less often. So we give you thanks for that delight, that love and care, that interest in our lives. But we know also that you have things to share with us, to tell us. So help us, not to be either so preoccupied with our own outpourings, or so concerned about not knowing what to say and what to pray, that we fail to do that most important of things, to listen. May we listen through our times of quiet, perhaps before the busyness of the day starts, perhaps by drawing aside at some point through our work or leisure or family activities, perhaps at the close of the day. Help us to listen to listen when we read your word, and to listen to what you may be saying to us through the other things we read and watch and consume. Not to be overwhelmed with the troubles of the world, but to tune our hearts to your heart, to know the concerns that trouble you. Help us to listen when we walk in or experience your creation, the grass and shrubs, the woods and flowers, the birds, animals and other creatures to reconnect, even if that's only by opening a window. Help us to be still and know that you are God. Lord, we give thanks for the ministry and support that the Reverend Mark McKeown has given us in past weeks and months, and we pray for him on this Sunday as he is preaching for the charge of Moody'sburn. We trust that his call is affirmed by the voting and pray for him and his family in that transition from having been an associate minister to being inducted in his own right, we trust. We're sorry for all the mistakes that we make and go on making and the things that we have left undone. Give us confidence to live knowing we are fully forgiven through the work of your Son, for we pray according to the pattern that he taught his friends. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory for ever. Amen. In our ongoing collection for Coatbridge Food Bank, I can report a further 25 bags of groceries were donated in the last couple of weeks. So we're now at 119 bags of groceries over this period. As ever, many, many thanks for these. You can still leave donations in bags at the gate of 102 Loch End Road in Gartkosh. Or let us know and we can arrange to collect from your home if you prefer. As mentioned the other week, some regulars and members have been asking about givings. And if you give by the WFO envelopes, the weekly free will offering, 
and wish to hand them in, they can be delivered to the relevant treasurer, Annette for Gatkosh, Gordon for Glenboig, or again, you can arrange for them to be collected. We also recognise that some may have different financial situations compared to pre-lockdown, and we reassure you that church is here for everyone, no matter what your situation. But should you wish to review your givings, more details on how to arrange to give are on the notices. Envelopes for the future, or using our bank details, or using the Church of Scotland website to pay via PayPal, uh, with that deduction of the PayPal fee, and you can also make a gift aid declaration, which is very valuable to the church. Again, if there's anyone who is interested in finding out more about joining the church, let me know and we can arrange some online preparation classes, or perhaps in decent weather and as the restrictions ease, we could arrange an outdoor gathering in a garden. In birthdays, I think I missed a couple when I tried to get ahead uh, before I went off. So uh, happy birthday to Heather Collins and to Caroline McCall. And uh, coming up, I think we have Jan Ferguson. Happy birthday, Jan. As always, please continue to keep in your thoughts and prayers the family and friends of those who have passed away, those who are ill and in hospital. Our reading today comes from Matthew's Gospel, from the third of five blocks that Matthew records of Jesus' teaching, and our reading begins at chapter 13, verse 26. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed ears, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servant came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time I will tell the harvesters. First collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. And then at verse 36. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out his kingdom, everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. Amen, and may God bless to us this reading of his holy word. Thanks to Annette for reading this week. When I was growing up, 
I sometimes liked being a bit silly with what I said, with my answers. I liked phrasing things differently, using new words that I'd learned, or, as others probably thought of it, showing off and being difficult to understand. I hope that hasn't continued now that I'm a minister. But in this teaching from Jesus in chapter 13, we get a lot of teaching in parables. Remember, they're stories with a meaning. And particularly on what the kingdom of heaven is like, the new kingdom that Jesus was uh, inaugurating. In fact, when his disciples asked him, Jesus said that this teaching in parables was deliberate so that some would get it and some wouldn't. Perhaps even that the highfalutin hegens wouldn't, but the simple stories of growing crops or looking after sheep would ring a bell with his listeners. His teaching also seems to fulfil a prophecy from Psalm 78 that this is how teaching would be given. Some parables are short, a sentence or two that paints a picture, while others are longer. And some Jesus left to speak for themselves, let those who have ears listen, while with others, particularly to his disciples, who would of course go on to share these teachings in later life, he would explain them. And so today we have the parable of the weeds, or the weeds among the wheat, traditionally the wheat and the tares. Now, even for a parable that comes with Jesus' own interpretation, this has had different understandings through church history. The two main ones are probably that both wheat and weeds represent people, the wheat being those with orthodox or right belief and worship, and the weeds being those who were heretics or who had other failings. And secondly, the idea that even Jesus' language of people of the kingdom and people of the evil one some translations would have children of the kingdom and of the evil one, even that was figurative and that they actually represent good teaching and wrong teaching or good words and evil words, good opinions and mistaken opinions. There's also a third line which would suggest there's room for both meanings to be held together and that's supported a little bit by uh, the getting rid of the causes of evil and those who do evil later on. One of the things you discover when you dig in, no pun intended, to this parable is that there's some evidence that the particular weed suggested by the Greek word, zizanion, was a ryegrass, something that looked very similar to wheat in the early stages of growth, particularly darnel. And in fact, it turns out that Roman law specifically prohibited the sowing of darnel in the wheat of an enemy. So for those farmers out there who might question how realistic this scenario is, there is some evidence that it was. Now, I haven't heard recently of anyone deliberately sabotaging crops in this way, but human, sinful nature being what it is, I'm sure there are immoral people out there who would try to damage their neighbour for their own benefit, though hopefully not many. I know that one definition of a weed is a plant or flower that's growing in the wrong place. But even when it's very clear what is a weed and what is not, like the persistent and prolific plants that seem to make up most of my grass, it's difficult to get rid of them without uprooting some of the good grass. How much more difficult would it be if you couldn't tell what was grass, what was thistle, what was buttercup? Now, there are some in the Christian church who are very keen for purity of the church, that Christians should be on the alert for wrong teaching, which of course we should dilution of the gospel and so on. There's certainly scriptural backing for this, although, remember, belief has to be backed up by action. Some, too, would argue that certain denominations have moved or changed their practice and positions, 
that's not often in doubt, but whether these changes are right or good or allowable can lead to people feeling that they have to leave or that encouraging other people to leave because of the changes. I'm not always happy with what the church nationally does, but neither am I always happy with what I myself do. And a position that says, either explicitly or subtly, get rid of those that think differently, or even leave the church because of those that are in it making changes I disagree with, that position is one that I struggle with. Not perhaps as live an issue as uh, right now as it has been for the Church of Scotland in recent years. But I think in this parable there's backing for the idea that we simply remain where we're planted, faithfully growing as best we can. There doesn't seem to be support for trying to uproot the darnel weeds, or even to determine which are the weeds and which the wheat, lest some of the wheat is uprooted and killed off instead. Whether you see the wheat as good folks and weeds as baddies, fundamentalists or compromisers or whatever other words you might use, Jesus in this parable seems to tell us it's not our job. That work of discerning or judging is not yet and not for us. It will be the Son of Man and his angels who will purify the kingdom. We might find that uncomfortable, the idea that at the end of the age there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But we can't simply edit scripture only to read the comfortable parts. We might lean to a more literal or a more figurative understanding, but the teaching is clear. There will be a reckoning and the potential for a positive or less positive outcome. However, the wonderful thing is that we don't just read this one parable in isolation, and nor can you push one parable too far in isolation to create a full understanding of the gospel. I've often said every analogy breaks down sooner or later. Jesus teaches a lot about a loving father, about mercy for sins and mistakes and wrongdoing, about the grace of undeserved reward. If we understand those other parts of the gospel in these terms, we might say, There are plants that seem to be weeds that have the opportunity to produce a harvest of wheat or to change to benefit the field instead of choking it. If we interpret this parable as referring to evil thoughts or wrong opinions, words that drag folk down, which might be harder to do given the references to children of the kingdom and evildoers, but it does resonate with the previous parable of the sower where the seed is the word of the kingdom and the weeds there are the worries and concerns that impede it. So if we do interpret in that way, then it fits a lot more with the idea that we understand from much of Paul's writings of a three-stage process of being made right with God. An initial justification or point of being saved, though not everyone can point to a particular moment. An ongoing sanctification, being continually made right or changed from glory to glory, becoming ever more the people we were created and called to be and an ultimate glorification when we're raised to be present with God forever. The planting of the good seed is the beginning, at least, of being justified as the gospel is heard and begins to sprout. The growth of the wheat and producing of ears is part of the sanctification that we go through in our Christian life. And the final justification is at harvest time, when the wheat is gathered in to the householder's barn. So, however you understand this parable, I think it has some key messages for us. There's a reminder of the spiritual battle that, even among the growth of the good seed, the word of the kingdom or the people of the kingdom, there is an enemy who seeks to sabotage and plant weeds to damage and oppose that kingdom.
a reminder that it's not our job, nor even that of the angels, to assess and judge which is wheat and which weeds, or to try and uproot them, for fear of the damage done to the good in the process. As Jesus says elsewhere, judge not lest you be judged. The measure you use to others will be used to you. If you, if we, treat others with abundant grace and mercy, that is the measure that will be shown to us. And finally, there is a reminder that one day there will come an end point to this present life and a transition to the life to come. And that there are different outcomes for the wheat and the weeds. However we interpret as figurative or more literal, surely we wish not to be anywhere near a wailing or gnashing of teeth, but to become those who shine like the sun in the kingdom of our loving Heavenly Father. So therefore it matters that we examine ourselves to remove the causes of sin from our lives as far as possible, always with the Spirit's help, and to encourage others to do likewise. In Jesus' name, Amen. We move now into our prayers for others. David Miller is going to lead us. Thanks. Dear God, and loving Heavenly Father, thank you that you know us through and through, inside out, that you love and care for us, knowing our thoughts and feelings, familiar with all our ways. Thank you that we cannot hide from you or escape you. We pray that you search us and discern our hearts, whether our thoughts be anxious or offensive. Purify us and test us. Make us the people you created us to be, so we may walk in the everlasting way. Be with our leaders and governments, those with whom we agree, and those whom we can't abide. Help them to be open to your guidance, to make wise decisions, well-founded, made for the benefit of the people that they serve. Be with those who are getting back to work, putting new procedures in place, making sure risk is reduced while economic activity can continue. Be with those who feel like they have not stopped working and grant them opportunities for rest and relaxation, even at home or if not travelling far away. And we ask for those who may yet be ill, grant healing and recovery, something that can be a long, slow process or even elusive. As always, we ask for your presence and comfort for those who are mourning, whether the bereavement is recent or longer ago, whether related to COVID or not. We pray for our church, our local churches of Gartkosh and Glenboyd, and as we have decided to delay reopening meantime, enable us to continue to offer worship and community through the phone and online. Be with those preparing for schools returning in a few weeks, not knowing if they may have to put in place contingency plans. We pray on for Coatbridge Community Food Bank and the work of others who support people finding it difficult to make ends meet. Help us, O Lord, to be open and accepting of all we come across, not judging who may be in or out, but trusting in your Spirit to allow each to grow and that more will recognise you before it comes to harvest time. Lord, hear and answer all our prayers and concerns, and give us your grace and peace. In Jesus' name, Amen. Our closing hymn takes its inspiration from Psalm 139, 
You Are Before Me, Lord, sung to the tune of Highland Cathedral. And thanks to Tommy for going with my wish to try and incorporate the second part of the tune of Highland Cathedral, which is not always used when singing hymns to it. again to Tommy, to David and to Annette. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians, Keep hold of what is good and avoid all forms of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, make you holy through and through and keep you sound in spirit, soul and body, free of any fault when our Lord Jesus Christ comes. And may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be with us all and all whom we love, this day and always. Amen.